Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. to open up with prayer. Lord, in the mighty, irresistible, and undeniable name of Jesus Christ, I thank You, Lord, for every single person in here today. Lord, we thank You for Your miracle power. We thank You, Lord, that every single person, Lord, would strive to to uh, fulfill the vision, the destiny, and the God cause that they have in their life. That You're in a, 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 a time, Lord, of raising up uh, warriors and champions and we just have to heed the call. So we thank You this, uh, for this morning. We thank You, Lord, for hearts being touched. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. That was a wonderful introduction. And, and uh, I, uh, I spent my first years, uh, not my first years, but my early years as an adult, as a professional outdoorsman, adventurer, uh, all over the world. I uh, tried to ski to the North Pole in the middle of wintertime with a team. Did uh, first ascents in the Arctic and spent four winters uh, following timber wolves around, uh, photographing them. All kinds of different things that I did over the years. And, uh, and then that kind of led me into uh, meeting a guy who uh, ended up leading me to the Lord. And as Pastor said, uh, you know, all my first uh, years uh, was... Uh, uh, reading and studying on, uh, you know, the, the Word of Faith message, which I believe really uh, opened up uh, the realm of miracles that I saw later in life as I traveled. Um, and then uh, from, from those years, getting into ministry, I started traveling and ended up doing big crusades around the world and leaders' conferences. And, and I remember being in, in Pakistan and looking out and asking uh, uh, the guy next to me, how many people do you think, you know, are here? And he says, they estimate about 25,000. And every single hand went up for salvation. Miracles happened. Blind eyes opened. Uh, all kinds of things were taking place. And so uh, during that time, I also had uh, heard of slavery in that nation, even though I'd been investigating it for uh, quite a while since the 90s, but really never knew what to do with it. And so I got into uh, uh, some conversations there, and I said, take me out to the slave fields. And they did, and it was like looking at a, uh, you know, uh, a modern-day Egypt where uh, there were so many people enslaved, and I was horrified. And I made a commitment before I left that I would rescue, start rescuing children, and I ended up going in and out of Pakistan for seven years and rescuing over 2,000 people there alone. When they said it couldn't be done, uh, I had contracts on my life, attempts to kill me. I was poisoned in 2015. It took me a year and a half to recover. And as soon as I felt I was good enough to go, went right back out. And uh, so I'm going to talk about human trafficking today. So if you could bring up the, the first slide, please. So as I uh, um, have gotten into this, uh, I want to uh, 
just uh, start with the scriptures. So if you go to the, the... So I kind of based everything on this, Psalm 10.18, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. I made a commitment back in those days that I was going to fight the oppression. I was going to, I was going to be a terror to the terrorists. I was going to be able to get into these places that, that nobody else wanted to go into. And so, if you can go to the next one, um, I'll just give you a thumbs up. How's that? Uh, so, I for, ended up forming the Children's Rescue Initiative just an hour and a half north of here is where we're based at. And uh, we're a nonprofit. Our whole goal is to get uh, children and adults out of human trafficking and labor slavery and to be able to get them into a new life. Uh, and so as we, uh, um, we've rescued over 2,300, I think we just passed 2,400 because I had a team out a couple weeks ago that got six children out of labor slavery uh, in Africa in a very, very dangerous area. So there's a, they estimate over 40 million people in modern slavery around the world. It's become the world's biggest illegal business. It has surpassed drugs and it has surpassed uh, illegal arms now because it's, been a re, it's a renewable resource for the traffickers. It's a product that they can use over and over again. And so uh, because of this, you know, there's been many organizations. When I started this, I couldn't find anybody. Uh, I'm sure they were out there. I just couldn't find them. But now there's thousands of organizations, some good, some not so good, and some just plain bad uh, that, are, that are out there. And I just tell everybody so I don't forget, anytime that you look at any organization, nonprofit, go onto their website, look at their 1099s. Look and see where their money is spent. And if they have a real high administrative cost, you might want to be uh, wary if they have really super high salaries as a, as a nonprofit, be very wary. Uh, we're less than 10% administrative costs in our organization. We, we work with mostly all volunteers. Uh, occasionally we'll hire somebody. Uh, but we're, we're trying to do this so that the majority of the money goes right into our rescue operations around the world. And we find other ways, uh, you know, to produce income. Speaking, going to places like this helps us, uh, you know, uh, different different things. So you, as you uh, look at this human trafficking, uh, it says here is the second largest. It's now become the 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 the, uh, the first largest. So the types of human trafficking that are out there, and they're in your community. They're in Northwest Pennsylvania, Southwest Pennsylvania. Human trafficking is everywhere now. There's no country in the world that it was is, does not have some form of slavery in it. It is expanding rapidly. So you have the sex trafficking, labor slavery, you have domestic servitude, child soldiers, organ removal, which is becoming bigger and bigger, forced marriages, mail-order brides, child brides, and, and debt bondage. There's been places I've gone and rescued children that have scars on their back where they were forcefully taken to a place and one of their kidneys was removed because it was so valuable. There's other places that they are harvesting uh, um, all the organs of humans. This is increasing. And, you know, the church is the, is the best equipped um, organization in the world to combat this through prayer, through being front lines uh, in all different ways. Uh, I've had government organizations contact me and, and request our help because they say we're underfunded, we're undermanned. And, uh, you know, so we're doing work here in the U.S. One of my team members is probably the best in the United States when it comes to tracking down 
these trafficking victims. Sometimes he's gone in by himself and extracted victims from gang members, from, from other things. And I think we're, uh, I think he's been involved now in 140 different rescues. Um, and he's been arrested twice here in the U.S. Uh, by, by police that didn't understand what he was doing. But we're continuing to, to do everything we can to rescue children and adults from, you know, these horrible things. And if you end up getting my book and reading it, I detail a lot of rescues in here. It's available on the table out there. Uh, it took me a long time to decide whether I was going to, there we go, uh, whether we were going to uh, decide to write this because I knew it would put me in the crosshairs again. But I felt that the education uh, element of this book is too important uh, and more important than my safety. Uh, this is being read by people all across the United States. It's got five-star reviews. I haven't seen one negative comment about this book. And I would really uh, highly recommend um, you reading that. And I, I am available to sign the book uh, out there also. So um, if, if, we, uh, if we look at the sex trafficking, what is sex trafficking? It is the, the forcing of a human, boy, girl, man, woman, uh, into uh, uh, sexual servitude. Uh, you can go to the next one. Uh, so it's non-consensual, it's demand-driven, <clears throat> and it's indefinite. They will hold a girl, a boy, man, woman, until they're of no longer of use uh, to them. And so uh, this is a pretty horrific thing. The youngest girl I've ever rescued out of a brothel is three years old. The average age that I rescue is 8 to 12. Um, and uh, I was just five months ago overseas with a team. I had a guy with me. He just retired uh, from the Navy SEALs. I had another guy um, who had just retired as an Air Force veteran, uh, a young lady who started her own trafficking organization to help survivors. I just had a really good team. And we were able to go in and, and get uh, 20 children out of labor slavery and one adult. And um, when I say labor slavery, they're made to do hard labor in brick kilns and factories. Some children are chained to machines for their entirety of their life. Uh, and they're fed by other slaves. And uh, you know, we, we go into these places that are really, really dangerous. We, we're dealing with cartels. We're, we're dealing with religious-based slavery in the Middle East and Asia. We're, we're dealing with um, you know, small networks of criminals that are doing this. Uh, and we just, once we get all the intelligence we need and we get all the information we need and we formulate a plan, we roll up, the door is open, we go in and extract them. I think in the last three months we've arrested um, 19 traffickers. They're in jail, which is very good. And uh, another uh, 33 girls have been rescued. And we rescued those while they were in the process of being transported. And so uh, we have a, a, some operations going on where we stop cars, we search them, and we've been able to apprehend. It may be more now. I haven't got the, uh, this month's report from my team, but um, uh, we're, we're working on a lot of fronts. I'm getting ready to go down to the border here soon, whether it's next month or January, I'm not sure, uh, to do a, a video and a report because it's just, it's just an absolute disaster, the amount of human trafficking beyond other things that are going across the border. 
So what does uh, the sex slavery uh, look like? It, it's prostitution, it's brothels. Um, usually when you see an Asian massage parlor, it could be connected to these types of things. Um, sex tourism, pornography. By the way, pornography is the biggest um, driver of human trafficking out there uh, that there is. Uh, it's not a victimless um, uh, business. Live sex shows, massage parlors, red, red light districts, stripping escort services, mail order brides, military prostitution, and so on. This is where you find all this, and it's, it's, it's growing and becoming more rampant. Um, and so, how does this happen? Where, where do these victims come from? Well, this may be a little shocking. It was shocking to me when I first heard it. A runaway here in the United States will encounter a human trafficking, a human trafficker within 48 hours. That's how quick this happens. Because they watch the, the arcades, they watch the train stations, they watch the bus places, and they know how to identify runaways. And they'll befriend them, and, and we call them Romeos. They romance them, however they do it, and, uh, and so on. Just to give you an idea, um, in northwest Pennsylvania, uh, where I live, not too far from here, uh, I got a call from a, a pastor and his wife, and they were frantic. And they said, we think our daughter is in danger of being trafficked. So he told me the story. I says, please bring your daughter and get to my office as soon as you can. So they came down. Beautiful young girl. She looked like she was about 15. She was 22. And here she had been online. She met a guy from Pakistan. And he was lonely and she was lonely. And they started the conversation up. And the conversation went on for months till he convinced her that they were in love. Well, this naive young girl, raised in a, a wonderful Christian family, uh, fell for this. And um, so I gave her all the information. I said, here are all the indicators that this guy's a human trafficker. You know, the way he's done this, all the things he said to you. And she just stared at me. And I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm getting through. Finally, she agreed to back off, which she did for a while. And um, today she's living in Pakistan. She ran away. They don't know where she's at. Every once in a while, the family gets a text that says, um, I'm doing okay. They don't know if it's the trafficker. They don't know if it's her. Uh, this family has endured the horror of her, their daughter um, disappearing. And most likely, um, she'd be worth a million dollars over there as a beautiful young American girl. And so these are happening all over. That's I tell every parent. Um, and uh, you may not like me by the end of this, but I know you have to love me because you're commanded to love me, right? Um, and I just speak very straight and I speak very truthful because children's lives are at stake. Monitor your children's media. Monitor their computers. Monitor what they watch on television. Monitor their phone. No young child uh, needs a smartphone. All they need is a flip phone. Don't give in to social pressure because both of my sons, I have four kids, both of my sons got into pornography because at school they heard some terms, they didn't know what it was, they came and looked it up on their computers, bang, it was, it was that quick. Now they're both in ministry now, all my kids are involved in ministry, um, but it was a journey getting them free, you know, the counseling. And that's how quick this happens. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other story is the whole thing in pornography 
my daughter wrote a book um, called Unfaithful. Her husband had gotten into pornography, refused to get out, and uh, she ended up having to go through a divorce because he was getting into worse and worse stuff, um, doing the phone calls, the 800 numbers, all that stuff. And uh, against what she wanted, she got a divorce and ended up writing a book to help other people um, that are dealing with this um, get find healing and find uh, um, you know reconciliation with with God. All those things. It's called Unfaithful by Ellie Mariah. I don't have any books left. They they sell out. I'm waiting for more. So. So anyway, this is the way that they, they, uh, they find these kids in poverty. They find um, at truck stops, all kinds of things that will they find these kids. So why do, why do women or boys or anybody stay? Well, number one is they're threatened. They're scared. Uh, they confiscate their legal documentation, whether it's a, a passport or a driver's license. They're not allowed to leave. There's a fear of consequences. They have to work to pay off the debt. They're isolated. They identify with their captor, which is Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, they're ashamed to leave and accept help. They're brainwashed or they believe law enforcement cannot be trusted. And so that's why, uh, that's why they, they all will stay in this, um, uh, uh, these situations. When we get women out, um, we've noticed that here in the United States, uh, it, because of the kidnapping and the, the forcing. It's different than if I rescue a slave that was born into slavery, which is very common. They've grown up. That's all they've ever known. They've always, uh, only ever known to be a slave. Their healing process is faster than one that is kidnapped or you know, brutally um, uh, assaulted or whatever and put into. Uh, and so they become manipulative uh, we have a whole process here in the U.S. that, you know, uh, places go through to, to help the healing process. And there's homes opening up all over the place for trafficking victims. So that tells you how many victims are out there. Uh, next, please. So labor slavery is, is in its simple definition, is uh, uh, taking a person and making them do physical labor against their will with either very, very little pay or no pay at all. The majority of the people that we have rescued have been in debt bondage where they would borrow maybe $20 because of a, a hospital, uh, you know, a stay or a medical reason and they can't pay it back and they're put into labor slavery with a thousand percent interest and they can never ever pay that off. So when we have gone in, when I first started doing this, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no one to learn from. And so we would go in and I would just try to pay off their debt and get them out. Then we found out that the, the, slave, the slavers would take that money and go to the slums and buy another child. Well, that's not acceptable. So then we would reduce it to 10% on the dollar to where we finally got crazy enough just to take them. We went into one slave field, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Christian slaves. And the, sl the slave owner wasn't there, so we loaded up 80 slaves. We got every vehicle we could, and we bolted. And I'm leaning out the car with a 9-millimeter. The other guy's got an AK. We're being followed. Somebody heard about it. We're being followed. My security team cut them off. There was gunfire, and uh, I don't know what happened. I didn't ask. Um, but this is serious business. You know, I've had a lot of threats on my life, and I've had guns put to my forehead, 
and uh, we've been ready to um, do whatever it takes. We're very highly trained, but I tell everybody we walk in love, we walk in compassion, we love people, but at the, uh, the flip of a switch, we can, we can do what we need to do, if that makes sense. We walk in love, but carry a very big stick. <clears throat> Sometimes that stick has a trigger, and, uh, and so on. Uh, next slide, please. So working conditions, I want to just, before I get into this, um, the working conditions are brutal. Little children made to work 14-hour days. Um, the, the, the hottest I ever recorded in a, in a brick kiln was 122 degrees. They drink out of the same puddles that they work in. There's a very high mortality rate. The little boy with the bottle, that's not chocolate milk, that's dirty water. It's the only water source. And uh, we had taken some families out of this, this place, brutal slave owners. We decided to go back and get uh, the family with this boy, and he had passed away overnight. Uh, the little boy in the bottom, a uh, beautiful little boy, he uh, and his family were enslaved in, in uh, hard labor, and the father got sick. They're made to work no matter what sickness. They could have COVID. They could have the flu. They could have pink eye. All these diseases that we've, we've seen and they are made to work. And so this father was sick and, and laying in his little bed on the ground, and the slave owner got uh, extremely angry and threw acid all over this little boy, all over his face, down his chest. And uh, so we got him medical help. Uh, we ended up shutting that place down because we took every one of their slaves um, over consecutive years, and uh, uh, we made them repent to this little boy which had probably never happened over, over there, where a Christian, um, they would repent to a Christian. And so these are brutal conditions. And people say, well, you know, why do you go all around the world? Well, first of all, any Christian anywhere in the world is our brother and sister, right? So we have a responsibility um, to protect our family worldwide. Uh, and we, but we do work here also. And so... I've had a lot of people get angry and say, well, why don't you spend all your time and, and efforts here in the U.S.? Well, we have the greatest social system in the world, um, even though it has its, all its flaws. And these countries that I go into, they don't have anything. These Christians have nothing. Um, and so we make sure that they have an opportunity to give their lives to the Lord. And we get them all in churches. We get them into places uh, where there's school and so on. Uh, next slide, please. And so where do they work? Uh, brick fields, construction, factories, fishing industry, sweatshops, restaurants, hotels, farms, um, and, and so on. And I outline a lot of this in my book, but I don't tell the, the more horrific stories because um, nobody's going to be able to handle it. And I came home from a trip one time. Uh, we were actually, um, I had pastored a church for some years. I came back um, and... Uh, my wife asked me what was wrong, and I just couldn't talk to anybody. I, I went away by myself for 30 days because I couldn't process what I had seen overseas. And I just had to pray, and I had to uh, just keep seeking God. And she was going to pastors saying, you know, do you think he has PTSD? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a form of PTSD. But the, the horrific situations that Christians in or around the world are beyond comprehension. Uh, next slide, please. So, um, can you go to the next one? 
So what forced labor looks like, that little girl in the lower uh, left-hand corner, her name is Lubna. I rescued her in 2010. Her job all day long was to wheel mud back and forth between the mud pits and where the bricks were made. Right next to her is James, her grandfather, who had been born into slavery. His children were born into slavery, and Lubna was born into slavery. And they would have never known a day of freedom had we not intervened and rescued them all. And James uh, passed away some months later as a free man, and he was close to 90 years old. N next slide, please. So this lady, um, we, had, we had been at a place, and um, I kept looking at her and thinking, uh, you know, I need to know this woman's story. So we, we did rescue her, but when she told her story, she had been born into labor slavery, had been uh, brutalized in every way all her life, um, had some children, she doesn't know where they were because they got sold off. Um, didn't know where any of her relatives are, uh, you know, were. And she just kept hugging me and touching my face. And my wife was with me on, on, on this particular trip. And I turned to her and I said, I'm pretty sure she's flirting with me. And, uh, but she was so delighted you know, that she was going to be free. And she just wanted to go home to her ancestral village to die. And she passed away two weeks later as a free woman. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this family we rescued, um, interesting story. And, uh, and I want to leave a little bit room for questions here at the end. I've got some videos coming up. But the Brickfield Five is a family. We were at the end of a rescue mission. And I had an incredible team with me. I had a guy that had 11 combat tours. I had a person who had never been out doing anything. We trained people from the ground up. And we had another guy named RJ. And RJ had seen an incredible amount of battle. He had been pinned down by the Taliban. He called in an airstrike and they leveled the building with the Taliban, but he didn't know that they had filled it with town's children. So all these children perished, and he had to carry this weight. And when he called me, he told me the story. He goes, I just need to start saving lives. So he went with us cried the first three days. I mean, just as tough as you, a guy is just as tough as they come. Cried the first three days when we were doing rescues. And at the end, we found out about this family, but we were out of money, which is a common occurrence because all the money just goes out to do the work that, you know, we're, we're doing. And I said, RJ, we, do, we just don't have any money left. And he said, they call me Professor. I, I started out with Professor X because I led a group of mutants. And... Uh, so they, everybody calls me Professor, and uh, said, Professor, I'm not leaving until we rescue that family. I said, RJ, we don't have any family. He goes, I don't care. I'm not leaving. I said, well, RJ, if you can go into social media and you can raise the money, we can do the rescue. So he went on with tears and, and did a plea. Enough money came in for us to do the rescue and to get them set up with a new life. And we were able to, yeah, amen. <clears throat> And so the bottom middle picture is several days after they were rescued and they realized that they were free, um, you know, because uh, they had borrowed some money, couldn't pay it back. They were put into slavery. All the girls and the mom were pimped out to men. And we were able to rescue them and they're still doing really, really well. Uh, next slide, please. So... Forced labor is estimated to generate multi-billions annually. And in a, 
if you want to do your own research, you can go on to the um, uh, uh, Global Slavery Index, and you can see how many estimated slaves are in every country, but they're everywhere now. And uh, we, we have labor slavery here in the United States also. Uh, next slide, please. So in James 1, it says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. We are called to be doers of the word, not sitters in pews. Remember I said you have to love me? You may not like me, but I speak the truth. God is calling every person to action in these days. Look what the, what's going on in the world now. Look what's happening in the world. We can't afford to not be doing uh, our God cause. And, uh, you know, whether it's getting behind a missionary, getting behind an organization like mine, getting behind uh, anything in the church. I used to delight in just going and setting up chairs when we would plant a new church. I, I would just, when I was an associate pastor, I would just love doing that because I was serving in any way possible. And today we have so many people that are they're just lost in their comfort zones, which is really a death zone. You know, a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out. And we, we've got to get out of that and start being doers of the word and not just hearers only. Next slide, please. So we have a survivor care program, which is really unique with us. We take care of every single person that we rescue. We make sure that uh, they are in school. We, we, we just got these six children that were rescued out of um, the fishing industry in Africa. Highly abused children. My team was over there to do an investigation. They called and they said, hey, we have an opportunity to get six kids right now. I said, go for it. They got these six children. They're all in school. They have school uniforms. And they are experiencing things they never experienced before. They had never seen an automobile. They had never seen um, a school. They had never seen a book. They had, never, they had new clothes, and uh, they're, they're now in school. And that's just been a couple weeks ago that that, that took place. Uh, next slide, please. So you'll see on this next slide, this is uh, some of how we, we minister to these kids. You know, when we rescue them out of, we, we make sure they get washed off because they're, they're full of mud in, in this particular case. We get them uh, care packages. We make sure they have good meals. Uh, they get school uniforms and warm clothes uh, or new clothes, uh, whatever that is. And every month uh, I send out $5,000 overseas to make sure these kids are taken care of. I went a year without a paycheck through the COVID time and uh, still really not back on paycheck yet. But I went through that because our funds were so limited, I had to choose a paycheck or take care of kids. Well, there was no, there was no issue in my mind. We're going to take care of kids. You know, I'm in America. I can figure something out. I can survive. Um, next slide, please. So this is a team that I just had overseas, an incredible team. Uh, the guy in that with the hat is one of the best in the nation tracking down people. He's my right-hand man. Uh, other team members there. Uh, and uh, we had just gotten off uh, of this river. We had a chance to be in a national park for a day. And we floated down a river amongst the crocodiles in a, in a wooden dugout canoe. 
Now, you want to talk about uh, a, a walk of faith. That was a paddle of faith right there. <clears throat> uh, next slide, please. These are some of the children that were rescued just a few months back um, with that team. These children were all in hard labor, uh, highly abused. The mom was made to uh, service the man several times a week. Um, her husband died. A lot of times we find... Um, uh, you know, people have been, been beaten to death. We've, had, we've found children that were beaten to death. Uh, just a lot of different things. Um, next slide, please. Some more children. These were really, really highly abused kids. I mean, they were just, uh, they were, there was nobody home. Very, very traumatized. And they're all doing really well now. They're in a school. Um, they, they uh, you know, staying with, uh, these kids are staying in a, in a private home, uh, but going to a really good school. Uh, next slide, please. More, more children we just recently rescued. And they're all, they all go to church, by the way. And uh, they all get into church. One of the great success stories that I have is a girl that we rescued out of a brothel at 13 years old. She had been there for two years. Beautiful, beautiful young girl. We put her in a, uh, we found a children's home that uh, was really good. And... Um, we got her in there. We went back a couple years later to visit her. She's now applying for law school so she can become an advocate for trafficking victims. Amen. <clears throat> we have another girl who's a worship leader in a church now. She was in a brothel. We have another girl that I went and I, we were sitting in a church just, just months ago. And uh, my host said, see the girl up there? And I said, yeah. He goes, you rescued her. I said, when did we rescue her? Because I didn't recognize her. He said, the last trip. And I'm looking, and she's up there on the worship team just singing her heart out. And that's the kind of restoration we're seeing. <clears throat> These are some of the traffickers that we just um, have had arrested out of that 19. And hopefully they'll stay there for a very long time. And the next slide. These are some of the girls that we just rescued that were being transported. They thought they were going to school. They thought they had a new job because these traffickers go into the villages and they'll tell these, and these are Christian kids, they'll tell them we have scholarships and they're so poor that um, they don't know. They have no clue. And we, we've been intercepting them as they're being transported bef before they get abused. Uh, and the next, please, I think is a video. Oh, not yet. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. We're calling everybody to action in some capacity, whether it's to be anti-trafficking work, if it's to be feeding kids, if it's to doing work in your own community, please do something. And the next, please. You can take a picture of that if you want, the National trafficking hotline. I'll leave that up. Through, and then we have some videos after this. So, I'm sorry? Yeah, if you want to go back to that slide. Um, can I open it up to, to questions for a few minutes? Any questions, comments, calculations, cogitations, or queries? Yes, sir, the handsome fellow in the back. <coughs> Yes, sir.
Yes, it sure does. Some of the bigger organizations out there, 90% um, go to administrative costs. And some of the, a couple of the biggest anti-trafficking organizations you've probably heard about are under federal investigation uh, with a lot of accusations. And I know at least one of them is true because I knew the inside people that were working there that resigned because of the corruption. So please check out any place that you would want to get involved with. Any other questions, comments? Anything around here at all? Yes, all the way in the back. There is. So he's asking about indicators. We do operations here in the US. That's a whole nother, whole nother pretty comprehensive teaching about how to identify, how to, to do that. But <clears throat> like, like here, here's a, a, for instance, I was in Las Vegas speaking at a big security conference uh, several years ago presenting Children's Rescue Initiative. And I got up in the morning, my wife was with me, a bunch of my team members were there. And I, I'm, it's about 5.30 in the morning, I'm not awake, I get down to the lobby, big, big, huge hotel, casino type place where we were staying. And I get my, my coffee at a cafe there, and I st start to go, and I start to get on to um, the elevator, and a woman got on with two young girls right in front of me, and kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what are they doing out this, this early in the morning? And I didn't think about it, and so they pressed buttons, and there was 15, 20 stories, 30 stories, I don't remember how many. And um, I look over, and this girl, this beautiful young girl is just staring at me. And she's blinking her eyes. And why the woman and the other girl are up by where the buttons are. And so I'm like, that's kind of weird. And the door opens and she gets off. She turns and looks at me and is blinking her eyes really fast. And the door's starting to close. And I'm, I'm thinking, she's a trafficking victim. And I'm trying to grab the door. It closes. I don't remember what floor we're on. And I'm, I'm like trying to figure it out. And finally, I get off and go back down to that floor. And I, I couldn't find them. But that's happening all over the place. And so, you, you, you know, th there's a signal now where they go like this. They do this. Um, if you see a child doing that, they're in danger. Um, did you all see that? Could you all see that? It's just a closed hand, uh, the thumb over, and they do this behind their back or beside them, whatever. Uh, you're, you know, you're looking for signs of, of uh, you know, intimidation, you know, do they have their head down? Is the, is the person with them sound controlling? If that's the case and you see these things and you can do some research, I, I could do a whole teaching on it. Um, but if you see those things, don't hesitate to call the police and, and take a, you know, secretly take a picture or try to get a, a license plate. Uh, this is happening all over now. Um, and it's mostly, you know, there's a family trafficking now where parents are selling their children to get drug money. That's uh, one of my board members is uh, uh, just retired from Homeland Security as one of their top investigators. And he said that was the main thing that they were investigating was family trafficking. Uh, yes, sir. Well, you'd have to go through a process of training. We have a seven day training, which is very, very hard. Um, and then uh, there's no guarantee that you would be on uh, a rescue team because we, we have to figure out who you are, your personality, how do we blend you into a team. 
Um, you can be involved in other things. There's many, many different ways of being involved with us. But being on the, on the, the tip of the spear, uh, there's a lot of training involved. Yeah. You can find that on our website. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, they stay in their home countries. It's very, very difficult to get them out. It's very, it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to do adoptions from overseas. So we find the best places we can and, and uh, get them into good, safe homes. Oh, we got the video. Let's do it. <coughs> uh, we'll, we'll do, we'll just do both right in a row. How's that? They've never been to school before. Take that. There you go. That's our motto, no more bricks. Walking these girls to freedom. This is the first time these children have ever been in a car. They're excited. This is the first time they've ever known freedom. They're free for the first time in their life. Hallelujah. They've never been to school before. They're going now, then. Hallelujah. And this next video is all rescued children to a pretty powerful song. hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear True, I 
is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. just like to pray as I uh, end this today. It gives you an idea of what we do and we're out there in the, in the worst places in the world and <clears throat> even here in the U.S. going underground in some areas to, to find children. What I mean is in tunnels and all kinds of places. But I'd like to pray for you today and if you're committed to becoming a champion of your own God cause, could you just stand up? If you're willing to fulfill your own destiny, if you're willing to fulfill God's will in your life, to do what God's called you to do. <clears throat> He's called me to do one thing and sometimes people are led to, to be part of that and be, to partner the same way you're, you've partnered with your church and you, you fulfill your, your mission here. But there's always a cause that's far bigger than you. It's a cause that's so big that only God can perform it through your life. So I just want to pray. If you just put your hand on your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person here today. That Lord, that your dynamic, beautiful, wonderful glory would operate through their lives. Lord, that they would um, uh, shake off the complacency and the comfort zone to fulfill their destiny in you. 
that they would find their God cause, that they would seek you like never before, that personal revival would be in their lives. Lord, I thank you for the power of God flowing through them. I thank you, Lord, that there would be a, 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 a new energy and a new zeal that they would have to fulfill their own destinies that they'd be part of this army that you're raising up to be a force in these days. No longer in the shadows, but running with the light. Lord, I thank you for your fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, for healing in their bodies, touching their minds, healing emotions. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you would just fill them with the power and the energy of a living God. We just praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.